0: Good morning. Thank you to Shiori and uh, Stephen for the missions update. Uh, I hope you had a wonderful Easter with your family and friends. I know it was a real uh, highlight to be together to, uh, as a church and to be, get back to some of the things that we have loved to do that we've missed for the last couple of years, having the breakfast and the Easter egg hunt for the kids and those kind of things. When we were having the Easter egg hunt, it reminded me of... Uh, when my son Dawson was just a little guy, like two and three years old, he loved Easter egg hunts. And so we would do Easter egg hunts just in the backyard. And uh, he would be walking around looking for eggs with his basket. And uh, well, he didn't know at the time, and I'm sorry, Dawson, but uh, I would come up behind him and take the egg out of the basket. And, oh, Dawson, look, there's one over here. He'd be looking for the same eggs for an hour, six eggs over and over and over again. And uh, but he never—he loved it. It was great. And uh, and I hope you had a great uh, Easter with your with your family. Uh, Good Friday and Easter is kind of like a pinnacle, like John said, it's the headliner. And uh, now the Sunday after Easter, there can be a feeling, a little bit of a letdown. We get to this mountain peak and then all of a sudden you're like, oh man, what comes next? And uh, with Palm Sunday, a high. And then emotionally on Good Friday, it's a low. And then Easter, it's a high. And it's only natural to have a sense of going down again. It's like we're on a roller coaster. And I would imagine that the first followers of Jesus felt like they were on an emotional roller coaster as well. They saw their Lord and Savior enter into Jerusalem on a donkey being greeted as a king, and then five days later for him to be put to death on a cross, only to, be, uh, only to rise from the dead, which Many of them, even his closest disciples, uh, couldn't believe until they saw him face to face. Think of the example of Thomas. And then Jesus is with them for another 40 days, right? And you can imagine the joy that they had together. And then he uh, ascends into heaven on the clouds. And I have to believe that maybe they felt a bit of a sense of abandonment again. It was this up and down, up and down, and in a sense an instability to the start of their faith without Christ. Until seven days after his ascension, there was another holiday on the Jewish calendar called Pentecost. Pentecost in the Old Testament was mentioned, is talked about with a few different descriptions. It's sometimes called the Feast of Weeks, or the Feast of the Harvest, or the Day of First Fruits. But most commonly, it was called Pentecost, meaning the 50th, because it took place 50 days after Passover. Now, this took place every year, but on the Pentecost uh, after Easter, there was something very significant that happened. In fact, if we think about our own lives and some of the foundational pieces in our lives— Two things took place on that Pentecost which are uh, crucially important for us. One, the gift of the Holy Spirit came to those who had trusted in Jesus, and it was the birth of the church. When we think about uh, our relationship with God, and we call it a relationship, we don't call it a religion, we call it a relationship. Uh, the two uh, greatest relational pieces to this faith that we have are with the Holy Spirit and with the church, both of which uh, started on the day of Pentecost. And so what, Jesus, so what God does for us on this special day is uh, He gives us a foundation. He gives us a stability, something f- uh, on which our faith to, can grow, now that Jesus has ascended and is with the Father in heaven. Now, Jesus anticipated this. He anticipated the coming of the Holy Spirit and He anticipated the birth of the church. In Matthew 16, uh, verse 18, we actually have the first mention of the church, the first use of this word in the Bible. In Matthew 16, verse 18, Jesus says, and I will build my church. In fact, let's read this together. Uh, We're going to look at Matthew 16, uh, verses 13 through 20. So we're going to look at this mention uh, that Jesus gives for the church in context. And I'll just give you the heads up right now. Uh, We're going to celebrate Pentecost this year. I have been a Christian all my life. I know I haven't been a Christian all my life. I've been in a church all my life. And uh, I've never been in a church that celebrated Pentecost. And I don't know why, when you think of the importance of the gift of the the, uh, Holy Spirit in the church. So Pentecost Sunday, which is seven weeks after Easter Sunday, is on June 5th. We're going to make a celebration out of it. It's kind of the beginning of the summer, right, too? And so we're going to have a barbecue or something, and we're going to make a big celebration out of it, and it's going to be a lot of fun. And now leading up to uh, this celebration on Pentecost Sunday, June 5th, we're going to look at the church uh, together. And we're going to start at the first mention of it by Jesus. Matthew 16, verses uh, 13 through 20 says, Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you, and I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. Let's go before God and just ask him to bless our time as we look at these words together. Father God, as we open up your words now, we ask that you would be our teacher. And we thank you that you love us so much. We know that you want to speak to us. We know that you are here with us because you've given us... uh, your Holy Spirit, you've given us brothers and sisters together. And you say where two or three are gathered together, you are there in their midst. And so we know that you are here today. And it is, and, it, and uh, as we gather, we pray that you would speak to us now and impress upon us the things that we need in our lives and in our church. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As we look look forward to our Pentecost Sunday celebration, we're going to study God's Word together in in a sermon series that we're going to have for seven weeks starting today called Life Together and Life Apart. And the title of the series actually comes from the meaning of the word that is used here for church. In Greek, the word is ekklesia, and it literally means... A set-apart community, or a set-apart assembly. And uh, if you think about that, it almost seems like there's a play on words there. When you set, when you set something apart, you're separating it from the whole, the main. And uh, and this is what happens when people become believers in Jesus. We are set apart to God. We're, we're separated from the world and, and, main, and the mainstream culture. We're set apart, and yet uh, we come together as set-apart people we assemble so there is separation and there is coming together both of which are crucial to our faith in the history of the early church what we see happening uh, and we'll look at some of this as we look toward at in the book of acts uh, as we anticipate pentecost we see people being separated sometimes they're separated by persecution that uh, because of their faith, difficulty comes in and they're forced to scatter. But the first thing they do wherever they go, wherever they scatter to, is they begin to gather together. They assemble for worship and for the Word and for the work of of God. And this is the church. This is what we call the church. Now this set-apart assembly I think has even more meaning to us now that we have been through the last couple years in the pandemic right it was it we were we were forced to separate we were forced to be set apart for a season for a while all we heard was shelter at home and kids didn't go to school and we worked from home and we had online church there was a separation of being set apart for a season and there was I, I think back on, those, uh, on the, those, the early part of those days, and I, I can remember Chelsea and I talking and saying, There's something good about what we're experiencing here because all of a sudden we slowed way down. We didn't have nearly as many activities, we weren't running from one thing to the next, and the, sl- and the slowness was good for us. We ate more dinners together as a family. We read the Bible together. We prayed together. Uh, You know, personally, I, I had more time to just spend with the Lord. Something in that was good for us spiritually. But then after a while, you sensed we can't keep going like this. Not completely. It's good to be set apart, it's good to have that time alone with the Lord, but we're but God created us in his image as relational beings to gather together. Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote a book, Life Together, and in his book he talks about having a day alone and a day together. And he said the purpose of the day alone is to prepare us for the day together. And I want to encourage us all that we have that alone time with God. That every day, we, if, if possible, we, we draw away just to be with God, but it is, in that, it is in that time with the Lord that we are strengthened to come back together so that we can love better, that we can be more patient, that we can be strengthened by God because God has called us to be a set-apart assembly to come together to do the work of God. And so what we read about here in Matthew 16 are some foundational truths for what it means to be a church, a set-apart assembly. And with the remaining time that we have together, I want to highlight three things that come from Jesus' teaching here. The first thing that we can say about the church is that Jesus is in charge of the church. Jesus is in charge of the church no matter what title someone has, no matter what leadership position uh, someone has within our church, Jesus is the head. He's in charge. Jesus said here in verse 18, I will build my church. This is Jesus' church. And, uh, and Jesus commends Peter for what he says, and he says he's going to use Peter's, Peter's testimony, uh, but it's still Jesus' church. The church, it says in Colossians 1.18 and Ephesians 5.23 that Jesus is the head of the church. Now, as the head leader, he's good at delegation. He's good at empowering others. And so he empowers pastors. He, uh, he, emp- he empowers uh, leaders. He empowers actually all of us who have the gift of the Holy Spirit in us to do his work But uh, but as we do, we look to him for his guidance, ask that he would guide and direct us, that he would teach us, and that we would do it in the way that he wants done, with patience and kindness and generosity. So the first thing we see about the church is that Jesus is in charge of the church. The second thing is that the church is to proclaim who Jesus is. More than being an assembly that's a social club or we get together just for friends, we come together to proclaim who Jesus is. In the passage, Jesus asks his disciples, who do people say I am? And the public opinion of Jesus was actually fairly flattering. They say, some say you are John the Baptist and others Elijah and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets, all heroes of the faith. Jesus had a good reputation going on, but Jesus then says, but what about you? Who do you say that I am? Now, before we get into the answer that the disciples gave, I just want to impress that question upon you. If Jesus were to stand here before us today and he was to ask us, but what about you? Who do you say that I am? Who would you say? In fact, uh your answer to that question is the most important thing about you. Uh, our understanding of who Jesus is and who he is in our lives is the most important thing, and so I encourage you to wrestle with that. Now, as, the, as Jesus presented uh, it to the disciples, Peter spoke up as the group's spokesperson, which he has a tendency to do. He seems to always be the first one to speak Sometimes it seems like without thinking about what he's going to say. I heard one preacher say, Peter must have wore peppermint socks as much as he liked to put his foot in his mouth. Uh, uh, But here he nails it. Here he has just the right answer. He says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. The Messiah was the anticipated king and ruler who would bring heaven to history and would rule over the earth as the son of God. This is the one that the Jews had been longing for, waiting for, God's warrior to set all things right. And Jesus says, in a sense, "Bam! You nailed it. Good job." And he says, Peter, uh, he says, "Blessed are you, Simon, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven." God loves us so much that he longs to draw us to himself. He's the one that reveals himself to us. And I'm sure if we go around the room uh, today, so many of you could raise your hand and you could testify, God did this, he put this person in my life, he he orchestrated this situation, and and I've come to faith because of what God has done. And praise the Lord, because we're blessed, not because of what we have done, but because of what God has done for us. He says, blessed are you, Simon, For God has revealed this to us. And then to signify what Peter has said, the importance of it, he gives him a new name. His birth name was Simon, which means pebble. And now he calls him, he says, now you will be called Peter, which means rock. Got an upgrade from a pebble to a rock. Now, Peter is so fundamental here to this, to the, Pentecost story that we'll look at, but I just want to emphasize that what Jesus builds his church upon is not a person, Peter as a person, uh, like he's a pope or something. He builds it upon Peter's testimony, what Peter has said about Jesus. Again, it is Jesus's church, and we as his church are to proclaim who he is. So let's just skip ahead to Acts 2 now and get a little foreshadowing of uh, what's coming. In Acts chapter 2, the story of Pentecost, verse 14, it says, Then Peter stood up with the eleven, the twelve disciples minus Judas Iscariot, raised his voice and addressed the crowd, Fellow Jews and all you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I have to say. And so now what is he going to say? Verse, jumping down to verse 22. Fez, fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you with miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. This is what we talked about this past week. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. And this is what we celebrated in the Passion Week, right? And this is what Peter is standing up to all those who are gathered in Jerusalem for the day of Pentecost, and he's proclaiming to them, Look, what, look at their reaction then, verse 36. Therefore, all let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. And that's the proclamation up, upon which the church is built that, G, that Peter first made back in uh, Matthew chapter 16. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what must we do? And Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so many that were there that day, some 3,000, believed in Him and, uh, and then scattered. They, 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 they were separated. They went to their hometowns and, and again proclaimed the message that Jesus is the Messiah. And he has come to bring salvation. And in those places many believed and they assembled. And so that's the birth of the church. It's off and running. And God's good news spread like wildfire. And so this now brings us to the third point about the church that we see here in this passage. And that the, that is that the church exists to do the work of Jesus. Jesus said. I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the, hang of, the, of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. How do you know, if you were to evaluate if a church is doing what they're supposed to do, how would you evaluate it? One way you could evaluate it is is it struggling to do what it's supposed to do? In other words, is Satan standing in opposition? Because, brothers and sisters, we live, we are in a spiritual war. Satan does not want to see the church do the works of God. Uh, it seeks to overwhelm us. Satan seeks to overwhelm us, seeks to overpower us. But the good news of this passage is. That if we are in Jesus and he is our head and he is leading and guiding us and strengthening us, that the gates of hell will not prevail against us. We have the victory. We stay connected to Jesus who has won the victory. And Jesus says that he has given us everything we need. Everything we need. He's given us the keys to the kingdom of heaven. A couple months ago, Chelsea and I and uh, our family had a A little mini vacation to San Francisco. And and I told you, uh, a lot of you that were here a couple months ago, this was a wild and crazy trip. I was already up there for a pastor's conference, and uh, this was Dawson's birthday present. He wanted to go to a Warriors game. It's his favorite basketball team, and so we had made plans that I was already up there, and then Chelsea was going to come up with the kids that day. And so I'm not, the point is not to rehash the whole story, but it was a crazy, ordeal and she got there right before the game started the plane trip the flight was canceled she had to race from Ontario to LAX she got a flight they got there right away but the problem was from my end that she had booked the hotel in her name because she was supposed to get in before I was going to get to the hotel so one of the pastors from our conference dropped me off at the hotel and I knew that they were racing to try to get on the flight to get here in time so Dawson could and I could go to the basketball game. And I get up to the, and I'm frazzled already. I get up to the front desk and I think, "Let me just check into the hotel room. I'm going to go up and I'm going to lay down. I'm going to rest for a little while and pray that they are able to get here." And so I go to the front desk and I say, "I'm here to check in. My name is Corey Winnell and they the woman behind the counter is typing stuff into her computer. I'm sorry, sir, we don't have your name on file. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, no big deal. It's under my wife's name, Chelsea Wannell. Uh, you can give me the keys, and I'll head up to the room. Oh, I'm sorry, sir. Uh, only the person whose name we have on record can get the hotel room no, 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 you don't understand. Uh, <laughs> my wife is stuck on the air, uh, on an airplane in Los Angeles. She'll be here anytime. You can just give it to me. You can give me the keys now. No, it doesn't work that way, sir. you have to sit in the lobby. Please just let me have the keys, all right? <laughs> and, uh, and she said, well, if I can talk to your uh, wife on the phone, then, and, and she can verify that you're her husband and so I said well the flight the plane leaves in literally five minutes she's probably got her phone on airplane mode but I call her and 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 Chelsea says I can't talk to you right now we're about to take off just please talk to this lady tell him I'm your husband and so she says hello my name is Chelsea and Corey is my husband and the woman behind the desk says good enough and gives me the keys and uh I got into the room and uh here's the thing Jesus has given us the key for everything we need. Otherwise, we're locked out. We can hang out in the lobby. This is a good creation that God has given us. But the best things are behind the door. And the best things that God has to offer us, we've been given access to. It's a privilege. It's a responsibility. Uh, As a church, that we have the opportunity to proclaim to others the good news of Jesus that their sins can be forgiven, they can be brought into the room, they can be brought into a relationship with God. We've been given the keys to help people that are stuck in difficult relationships, uh, marriages that are struggling, kids that are struggling, relationships that are broken. Jesus has something to offer. We've been given the keys. We've been given the keys to bring God's goodness into this community, to bring God's healing To people's lives, to those that are struggling with addictions or or stuck in their sin. We've been given keys. As a church, we have so much to offer. We've been given keys to the kingdom of heaven. And so it is our opportunity to present to people the good news of God, what God can do if he comes into their life. Jesus describes it here as a ministry of binding and loosing, you see, Satan comes and he binds things. He, he gets us stuck in bad thoughts and a train of thought that we that we just can't seem to get ourselves out of. We get stuck in our sin there and there's bad habits and addictions. We get stuck in relating to people uh, with in ways that just keep taking us down into the gutter. And Jesus says, those things that you loose on, on earth will be loosed in heaven. In other words, he'll come and he'll empower us to do the work of God. He says those things that you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Those that have been, that have wandered away can be brought back and tied into a relationship with their creator. We can bind and we can loose and it is with the power of God because we've been given the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And so this is why we have certain ministries that we have every sunday there are prayer counselors that we have at the front of the sanctuary it's the ministry of binding and loosing jesus says where two or three come together in my name uh, he is there with them we come we we pray together so that we can loose the difficulties in our lives we can bind ourselves to the will of god this is why we have the ministry of the education center which Our next session starts back up tomorrow. If you want to help with the barbecue for the families that are there, come and talk to me after the service. But this is a ministry of binding and loosing, right? Because we're seeking to welcome families uh, from our church and from our community to come and receive help. Hopefully begin to bring the goodness of God into their lives. We're seeking to loose the bounds that Satan has on families and people in our community. This is why we have a ministry of life groups because we come together and we pray for one another and we hold each other accountable and we're loosed from the difficulties, the habits, the bad mindsets that we get ourselves in. And so in over the course of the next several weeks in this sermon series Life Together and Life Apart, we're going to look at some of these things, Ministry of the Gospel study of God's word, prayer, worship, confession. Because in each of these things that we're looking at, there is a set-apartness, something that we do on our own, and there is an assembly part that we do when we come together. And they go hand-in-hand, all of these things that we will be looking at. So since this is a uh, sermon series on the church, as I close here, I just want to remind us of our mission statement as a church. We exist to spread a passion for God so that He is above all else in our lives, church, and community. And uh let me grab my program here real quick. Um, uh, Kylie uh created a little drawing here that's in the bottom corner of your sermon notes. And uh, it kind of utilizes some of the words from our mission statement to spread a passion for God. And I asked her to put it in a a fire because you think about a passion for God, there is a fire for God. And it kind of ties into the idea of Pentecost, right? Because God came on the day of Pentecost in what appeared to be like tongues of fire. And from this fire uh, shoots up as we spread it so that God is above all else going up, there are three flames. The first one ties into the last part of the the list in our mission statement. We grow uh, a passion for God in our lives. We grow individually. The second is we spread a passion for God in our church. And uh, that applies to worship. We gather together to worship so that he is above all else. And then lastly, we gather together to serve so that a passion for God uh, grows in our community, in our church community and in the neighborhood around us we seek to to serve. And so that ties into what we are doing here in this um, sermon series as we prepare for Pentecost. This year, we celebrate Pentecost together as a church, and we do this because we need it. We need the Holy Spirit, our fellowship with God. We need our church, our fellowship with the family of God. And especially coming off the pandemic, we feel the importance, we know the value of having God's presence in us through the Holy Spirit and the importance of having our church family together. And we need God's presence in our lives, and we need God's presence that comes through our relationship with one another. And so Pentecost is a birthday party for us. We're celebrating the birth of the church, uh, which includes the Holy Spirit, which lives in us, and in the lives of one another, our brothers and sisters in the faith. And so I'm looking forward to how God is going to bless us over the course of the next six weeks. I'll invite our uh, prayer counselors to come forward now and if you are here this morning and you would like to receive prayer about anything, um, you want to receive prayer uh, for anything that's going on in your life or, uh, or uh, those things that you're struggling with, I encourage you just to come forward and to uh, receive prayer during this time. uh, Let me close us in prayer and as I do, the worship team will come and prepare to lead us in our final song. Father God, we thank you that you are here with us today. We thank you that you love us so much that uh, you long to just draw us into greater and greater fellowship with you and communion with you we thank you that that is your desire and you have made you've opened doors for us to be able to do that through the holy spirit that takes up residence in our hearts through our church family in which we are able to experience your goodness through one another and god i pray that over the course of the next few weeks as we study your word together i pray that you would just knit our hearts together more and more draw us closer together as we recognize the value of, of this family that you have given us. Uh, draw us to yourself as we, uh, as we seek to uh, live a, a set-apart life for you, a, a holy and uh, an obedient life to you, God. And God, in all of these things, I pray that you would be glorified. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.